Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. So what are you going to do now? Are you going to look for something else in real estate? Nobody's hiring now. The market's terrible. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I like sports. I could do something in sports. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. In what capacity? You know, like the general manager of a baseball team? Yeah, well, that, that can be tough to get. Well, it doesn't even have to be the general manager. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. Well, that's really not fair. I know. Well, okay, okay. What else do you like? Movies. I like to watch movies. Yeah, yeah. Do they pay people to watch movies? Projectionists. That's true. But you gotta know how to work the projector. Right. And it's probably a union thing. Those unions. <sighs> okay, sports, movies. What about a talk show host? Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. Someone even told me once they thought I'd be a good talk show host. Really? Yeah, a couple of people. <laughs> How do you get that, though? Where do you start? Well, that's where it gets tricky. You can't just walk into a building and say, I want to be a talk show host. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> it's all politics. All right, okay. Sports, movies, talk show hosts. What else? Could have been a huge mistake. We're studying First uh, and Second Thessalonians together. We're learning a lot from the, this book to this new and courageous church that Paul writes. And in chapter four and 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 on, he's going to talk about three things that are fundamental to life. If you get these three things right, you'll do well. As a matter of fact, if you'll please God more and more. We've talked about two out of the three things. One was um, about how to die, end times, what the end of history looks like, how to not be afraid and look forward to that. Uh, another one was your sexuality and how you treat your body, and we looked at that last week. And so for the next two weeks, because the importance of the topic, it's brought up in both of these books, First and Second Thessalonians is going to talk about work and, and about how it applies to your spiritual life. And I would imagine many of you are thinking, I would have a great spiritual life if it weren't for work. And this is what I want you to hear. Okay, this is today's, there's the big idea today. Work is not part of the problem with your spiritual life. Actually, work is the solution to your spiritual life. Okay? Work is not the problem with your spiritual life. Work is part of the solution to your spiritual life. And if you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, you can see kind of the theme of the whole chapter here. Look at it. It will put up on the screen to save us some time. Finally, brothers, uh, 
We instructed you to know how to live in order to please God, as in fact you're living that way. Good job. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you do this more and more. And then from there he talks about our sex lives and our sexuality, and then he goes and he's going to talk about end times at the end, but also he's going to talk about work. So if you look at 11 and 12, they'll be up on the screen as well. It says, make it your ambition. Look what it says, three things, to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you to do so that your daily life might win the respect of outsiders and so that you would not be dependent upon anyone. Very simple, right? Three things, right? Just just live a quiet life. Here's how you please God still the more and more. Just live a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your hands. Now, we're going to talk a lot more in detail about kind of that three points and some more next week. We're going to talk about today, we're, we're going to learn about how to you know, make the most of our working uh, choices and, and why our spiritual lives overlap with those. Because if we do those three things, we can, it says, so that, therefore, you can, right, win the respect of outsiders, and so you won't have to be dependent. It's not just those things, though. If you want to study the nature of man, the way we were meant to be, you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, before there was ever a fall or sin or corruption, and you take that and you say, oh, wait, what can we learn from an ideal world? In an ideal world, God saw that Adam and Eve, okay, Adam was holy but incomplete, and he brought about two things to help complete him. One was a family. He added Eve, and they were to be fruitful and multiply. And then two was work. He told him to go and work and cultivate the land. Through the family and through work was the way that mankind was to be made complete, to made full, made the way their potential was meant to be. And so if God was using those two primary methods of developing the spiritual life of Adam and Eve before the fall, then you can bet that he still uses that today. Your, your work is not uh, a problem with your spiritual life. Work is actually part of the solution to your spiritual life. So what does it mean to work? What does it mean to cultivate? If you look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, the Lord God took man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work or to cultivate to, to, and to take care of it. So the idea is that the design and dignity of a human soul is to work. And to work means to take care of and to cultivate. And, okay, let's go a little deeper. What does it mean to cultivate? Uh, He made Adam and and Eve gardeners for the most part. And what what gardeners do uh, literally, and then we'll use it metaphorically, is they take chaos and they turn it into something purposeful and beautiful. So they take, you know, a vacant lot, right, and they, they clear it out and they plant things so that it can for the benefit of their fellow man, and sometimes to be beautiful for beauty's sake alone. That's enough for beauty's sake alone. And and that's that's what it means to cultivate, to take chaos and turn it into something purposeful and beautiful. Again, I mean, it's everywhere. And again, it's not working for a Christian organization or something like that. If you look at music is a great example, right? We take noise, and then engineers and artists get together, and when they do, they can do great things. Somebody grabs some sheet metal and bangs it out into a trumpet that is, can make consistent notes, and then you give it to an artist that practices diligently with work, right? And they turn noise into notes, and then we have Chris Body doing background uh, uh, for us. Amazing, right? Um, fashion, you, you, you take, <laughs> you, you have someone picking 
the cotton off some, some uh, shrubs and they turn that into thread and the thread is turned into cloth and, and then a designer gets a hold of that and they make something that's, that keeps us warm in the winter and cools us off in the summer, summertime so it's purposeful for our fellow man and then it's beautiful still. It's still, they add something even more to that beauty. Parenting, okay, just basic being a mom or a dad. If you're stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, you are taking chaos, your children, right? Right? I mean, otherwise, they're, it's Mowgli, and they're being raised in the, in the wild. But you take Mowgli's, and you make them, you, you help them learn their manners and how to be disciplined and how to treat their bodies and how to sleep their bodies and how to feed their bodies and those sorts of things. And then it goes back to chaos in another half hour, and then you start all over again. And then, and then somebody comes home and says, have you done anything? And then that's another whole deal. But all those things work is part of your spiritual development because it is the way that we love God and love man, the great commandments, right? I mean, we love God by just doing the work itself and reflecting back, look, you gave me these gifts, and now I'm going to be responsible for them, and I'm going to show you how I can make chaos into something useful and beautiful. But it's how we love man. If you, it, and I think I, it's easy to quote Shakespeare on this. It's not, it's not the act. It's the motive that makes it so. So any one of us can be doing any one of these things. It's, this, it's the act. It's not the act. It's the motive that makes it worship because in the motive, we, we're, we're serving and we're loving our fellow man. I can't imagine. I've actually done this once in a, uh, for a day, I think. But can you imagine paving a, a highway in Texas in August? You don't want to do that, all right? It's not a good job because it's so, so physically demanding. And, and, it, and for any one of those workers, it might be just the only job they can do, but there might be some other workers, again, it's not the deed, it's the motive that makes it so, that might be trying to serve their fellow man. Because I thank God, and maybe I'll, one day I'll, uh, that won't work, but I would love to roll down my window and yell at them, thank you. <laughs> thank you for paving a highway between here and Los Angeles so that I can drive and not go you know, off-roading to get there. I mean, think about how much care and love could have gone into simply getting you on a paved road that was smooth and flat from your home to work. That's taking chaos and turning it into something at least functional and quite often beautiful. So that's what we're talking about today. And now what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to connect these two things, work and our faith. And to do that, and because my, my intimidation of technology, the newer stuff, I'm asking my friend Dan Walters to come and join us. Dan, come on up. Okay. Plug Dan. <laughs> All right. So, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself personally, yeah. and then we'll talk about faith and work. Okay. okay. Uh, my sweetheart Linda and I have been married 43 years. We've got three children, six grandchildren, and, and counting, I hope. Um, we went to school. We both were raised in Wichita Falls. Uh, we went to elementary school and junior high and senior high together, and were married in college, which was Texas A&M University. There it is. In heaven, it, there will be no whooping. I cannot. <laughs> I long for that day. Man, it's, it, it's just a hearty amen. Yeah. No. No. Uh, so moving. Move, up move. my spine. Uh, <laughs> We were up here for other reasons. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So I was a mechanical engineer, graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering and MBA, and we went to work for Aramco, the Arabian American Oil Company. We moved to Saudi Arabia in 1975. Uh, we were there a total of 23 years. Two of our three children were born there. All three grew up there. 
Obviously, we like to travel, uh, uh, and our kids got to see the world on the Aramco paycheck. That was a good thing. Uh, the last 10 years there, my job was as a chief of staff to various engineering executives, and which meant I was a strategic planner and leadership developer and brush fire fighter, and basically I was a fixer. Um, fixer. There you go. Uh, we moved back to, uh, we moved to Austin uh, 10 years ago, left Arabia. We've been here. I've been a consultant and a coach since then, and I've uh, been at Grace here for five years. Great. Oh, and you serve as an elder here. And uh, happen to serve as an elder, yeah. But that's not why you're here. You're here because... Uh, you were the point man on Career Solutions, which is yeah. our, the ministry that we have to trying to bring faith and work together. What, what inspired you to yeah. get that started? Well, I'm, I'm compelled by those garden things you talked about. I think God only gave us two things to do in the garden. He gave us work and he gave us marriage and family. And churches have a lot of touch points for marriage, but not many touch points for work. Uh, churches have touch points, you know, the pre-marriage counseling and marriage enrichment and marriage mentoring. You guys even start marriages, for goodness sakes. Right. Okay, a lot of touch points for marriage, but no touch points for work. And I think they should be analogous, like career transition is kind of like pre-marriage counseling, and, and career plus calling is like marriage enrichment, and career mentoring is like marriage mentoring. And, and I think by their very nature, those ought to be lay-led. That's kind of our wheelhouse, and so we team up. Makes sense. So you've been at uh, the careers for 40 years, and I'm yep. sure you have had an evolution in your faith and work ex kind of storyline. Yeah. So I, what I'd like, the reason we have the whiteboard here, uh, just to give you a heads up, we'd love for you guys to consider doing what Dan's going to do today to bring insight and understanding to maybe your, your faith walk and your career walk together. So why don't you start by just telling us how faith and work evolved Okay. Over those 40 and, years. And I'll use the whiteboard uh, uh, disclaimer for those of you who are artists and those that can spell, this is not going to be pretty. Okay. Uh, we can make so, chaos into something beautiful. Yeah, there we go. Here, what, it's about to happen. <laughs> so every story has a storyline, and, and here's my storyline, 40 years worth. I went to work for Aramco at age 25. We were there nine years. We actually came back to the States and started our own company in between, we went back to work for Aramco for 14 years. We've been back in the States for, for 10 as a consultant and coach. And my work in faith uh, chapters sort of go like this. When, it, when I first got saved and, and early on for the first 10 years, uh, basically it was a real simple model. You had three phases, right? I had three phases. Yeah. Yep. This will be number one. And, okay. and so chapter number one, here's work in faith. And for me, these were separate. And it made sense at the time our government believes in separation of church and state, separation of work and faith. Surely there's no place for, for faith at work. And, and that's the way it looked like for me, okay? For, for about 10 years. And then I started growing in my faith. I was saved back here. I'll tell you that story in a minute. But I started growing in my faith, and I realized this model really wasn't accurate, that, that work was supposed to be closer to faith, maybe this close, and let's call this the add-on phase. I just thought that, that faith was something that you added into an already busy schedule at work. Uh, you know, it was kind of like going to the gym. Exercise is, is good for you now. It's good for you long term. Uh, but you kind of fit it in and go into church, kind of like going to the gym a couple times a week. That'll work. And so that's what it looked like to me. And that was chapter 2 and lasted to maybe mid-40s. 
And there was something even before this that started me thinking about the next model and, and a more accurate model of work and faith. And I met a man in the first, leading up to the first Gulf War in the fall of 1990. He will never know the impact I, that he had on my life, and I was with him maybe for only an hour and a half. His name was First Sergeant Marvin Jenkins. We were out in the desert. We'd gone out with some friends to take hamburgers to the soldiers from Fort Benning. And then we had a worship service, and, and he stood up in front of his men, and he said, I've learned to be a first sergeant and a Christian too. And that rattled me because maybe you don't know about first sergeants. I knew about first sergeants. You know, they don't fit the Christian profile. Uh, they uh, shout and yell, and they have to get mad in a hurry, and they use foul language at all the right times. And I'm looking at this guy. I'm looking him in the eye, and I'm thinking, you're right. I, that's what I want. I want to be an Aramco manager and a Christian too, and I'm not there yet. And I'm thinking, this isn't rocket science. If a first sergeant can do it, I can do it. And it, it occurred to me that the model of work and faith really was this, work, faith, and let's call this chapter seamless, that they're supposed to be together. And, and in terms of the garden things, you could say work, faith, and family all in there too, but we're, we're talking about work today. So really, that, that was my thinking how it evolved about work okay, and faith. separate with phase one mm -hmm. and then add on and then seamless, but I would imagine your spiritual life is evolving with this. Mm. Okay, this is the way you're um, cognitively thinking about it. These are the world, this is the world you, you kind of evolved. So yep. what was going on in your spiritual life? Because I would imagine it was a, a, something was happening yeah. to make this change. Yeah, and not surprisingly, three chapters there too okay. uh, aligned with these. I actually got, got saved back here when I was 20 years old. I, Linda and I were about to get married. I met with her preacher, and he told me Christ died for my sins, and I needed to invite him into my life, and I did, and we prayed. The next night I got baptized, and I thought I'd done everything I needed to do to be a Christian. To get married. You know, I didn't realize that for decades later that, that uh, in 1970 in North Texas, you didn't marry a Baptist girl without first meeting with a preacher and getting yep. saved. Yeah, and getting saved. You get baptized, so, we can marry you. Yeah, yeah, and that's pre-marriage counseling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, so, uh, so during this phase, uh, my spiritual model was very simple, and let's call it self-centered. That was that phase, okay? And this box was all about Dan, okay? Uh, you know, it was easy to keep work and faith separate. I didn't have much faith, but I had a lot of work. <laughs> this was in the late 70s, early 80s, and the oil business was booming. Uh, I got a gifted me with a skill set that the oil company needed. I was climbing that ladder of success. I was very ambitious, and all my decisions were based on self-actualization and the good life. We were leading the good life. And I was doing so good in that oil company. At about age 34, I decided I can do better than this. We need to leave here, and I need to start my own company. And so we left. We moved to Houston. And it's amazing, Matt, how God can use job change to get your attention and to take you to new churches. And so we went to a new church here, started uh, going to church about age 35, and I met a man who invited me into a Bible study, a men's Bible study. I didn't know men did Bible studies. And he began to disciple me. He said, Walters, you've got to memorize Scripture. And boy, I inhaled Scripture. 
And he said, you've got to have quiet times every day. And I was a morning person. I'd have those quiet times. And, and so uh, I began to grow. And, and in parallel to that, this was financially was a very brutal time for us. You know, if you've ever started your own company, you know it uh, has some surprises. And it was tough financially, but we were growing by leaps and bounds spiritually. And, and I, I just didn't have yet. I, I had a question. The question was, what does it look like to be a Christian? Obviously, I'm a, a visual learner, and I didn't have that picture. And quite honestly, it, it wasn't until we moved back to Aramco, somewhere in here, I was in a training course, uh, a leadership course, and there was a, a diagram of a diagonal explaining the difference between being a leader and a manager. And I saw this, and I thought, wow, it kind of it snapped a grid for me. And, and I thought, uh, that's, that's the way it looked. And, and here's the... Here's that picture for me. Here was Dan, and here was Christ. And day by day, little by little, year by year, Christ is supposed to increase, and I'm supposed to decrease. And it was like John the Baptist pointing at Jesus, and he said, he must increase, I must decrease. And, and that's what I heard when I saw that. Uh, and, you know, for me, so what you would do, I want to know what I what you do. So I visualized a marble on this, this diagonal, and, and here it was my job to push this thing up a hill. And, and it was even biblical because you take your finger off this marble, what happens? It rolls back. That's called backsliding. Didn't want to do that. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned over here, but I was a workaholic here, and I was a workaholic when it came to my spiritual life. And let's call this phase driven and if you've been around people like that that are driven in their spiritual life, they're very prickly, and I was, okay? So then we moved to uh, Arabia. Well, I yep. I think your son had a little… Oh. Of, he had a problem with that diagram. If I remember right, you got back to the States and yeah, told you, him the way to live, and he it, said… Yeah. Isn't it funny how your spouse and your children… Uh, God speaks through your spouse and your children yep. to you. And, and so I was talking with my son along in here somewhere, and he said… Uh, Pops, you know, that is a great illustration. Uh, I've seen you use it for years all over the world. And you know what? Life is not a straight line. Darn. Yep. I, I thought, i got to change my model. And he's right. Life is not a straight line. And here's the way the Christian life works. Here's Dan. Here's Christ. And day by day, little by little, year by year, Christ wants to pour in more of Him, and He can only pour in if I pour out. And this isn't how I transform myself like I was doing over here. This is how Christ transforms us. It's something He does to me. I don't do myself. And so this is what I, I live in. And what did that mean? It occurred to me after a while, this phase was all about surrender. He can't pour in till I surrender my life and pour out, okay? So, you know, Matt, it only took me 40 years to get there. So. Right. Well, I mean, talk a little bit about the sawtooth. You call that the sawtooth, I think, was your nickname for it. The, yeah. What is, just give uh, us an up and down. What is that? Yeah. So, along the way, too, I thought this is just like the book of James. James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, for the testing of your faith produces perseverance and maturity. And then guess what happens? Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And then what happens? Count it all joy, my brethren. 
And, and I realized that Christ was, he lived in adversity. I call it the sawtooth of adversity. And if we're going to grow in Christ's likeness, there's no way around it. You know, you don't need God at the top. You need God at the bottom. And he takes us back there from time to time. Right. So the theme of the day is that um, work is not a, a hindrance to your spiritual life. Rather, work is the, the sol- helps in the solution of your spiritual life. Work is the... Let me put it another way. This is, hopefully this is graphic and memorable. Uh, work is the tool that God uses to make you like Christ. Okay? Work is maybe even the toolbox that God uses <laughs> to make you more like the way you were meant to be. And in, in, in your case, it's a, it's a saw. So yeah. and what, what happens here is that if you combine you know, uh, Dan's work uh, value system, right, is the way he saw work and the way he experienced Christ... You have, some, you have some lessons. And so what, I mean, how has God basically yeah. shown that work is the tool that he uses to make Dan like mm. Dan was Jesus Christ? Mm. You, see, uh, you see what I mean? Right? Yeah. So like through various ways, right? Yeah. So work is a tool that God uses to change us. He's the way he changed me, certainly with this model, but there's an important first step, and that's God uses relationships to change us. Okay. So and, the, tool, and here, the tool that he uses is relationships. Relationships, right. and, and those relationships to me have names and faces. For instance, I met a, a man here. His name was Folky. He was the chief geologist for Ramco, a man's man, uh, relate to this guy, and his hobby was biblical archaeology. And when he talked about the Bible, it and you're came in the along. Middle East, and I was in the Middle East, yeah, and he's a, he's a playground. It's his sweet spot, okay, and and it made life, uh, made spiritual life, Bible come alive for me. And then Folky introduced me to a man named Dwayne when we moved to Houston. He's the guy that got me in the Bible study. And actually, Dwayne was a pastor, but he was the first pastor I ever met that didn't sound like a pastor. And that was a good thing, okay. I'm trying. Uh, it was a good thing. <laughs> and uh, you're like that. You're like <laughs> yeah, that. Okay, whatever. And so then we went, we went back to Arabia, and there were men there. I, can, I can't tell you the, the number, but I'll just use two. There was a refinery inspector. His name was Hansel. And Hansel went to work every day just like this. He didn't go to work without Jesus. There was, he was from Mississippi. There was a man named Charlie from Oklahoma. Charlie was a petroleum engineer. He was like Hansel. We, we used to pray together on Tuesday morning about our work, and... Uh, Told you it wasn't going to be pretty, huh, Charlie? Um, and Charlie, he was, his work and his face was seamless. Both of these men were older than me, and I could see them as, as a model. That's what I wanted to do. And even when we moved back to the States, uh, one of my clients was a hospital in North Texas. There was a fish, physician up there, Dr. Kevin, our children call him. Dr. Kevin is a surgeon. I was working with him in this hospital, and Every day he would pray for his patients, and I could join him and pray for his patients. And we were on a project to decrease the number of surgical side infections, and we'd pray about that, and we'd pray about the OR. And so these relationships made the rest of this come alive. The rest of this would have been academic for me if it wasn't for this. And it wasn't that these guys were just doing the stuff. These men loved me on the job. And, and, and called me to love them. And, and just the fragrance of Jesus Christ was about these guys right. at work. Well, when we talked earlier, we, uh, one that was kind of surprising and I thought would be especially helpful for Austinites was that you learned about how God uses work as the tool through under, learning the appreciation of what you were calling common grace. Yeah. Right? And why don't you tell us about how 
how you did that because it wasn't like, and a lot of people do this today, some younger ones more than the older ones, but uh, you weren't working for a nonprofit Christian organization in Nashville or Wheaton. Yeah. Aramco is like the single largest oil company in the world at the time yeah. and was yeah, not in Nashville. We were living in the holy land of Islam, right. and we weren't listening to Christian music at work. We right. were listening to the call to prayer five right. times a day. And, and I realized God shapes us in our identity with Christ, not only with Christians, but also with non-Christians. Uh, by God's providence in my career, I've been able to develop some very deep relationships with Muslims. And, and I enjoyed working with Saudis. And I know some of you will tense up when I say that because, and I need to say, not all of them are terrorists. They're like me. They've got families and grandchildren. And the week after 9-11, I was walking down the hall with a, a, a Saudi friend and executive. He said, Dan, you know, I'm just trying to reconcile in my own mind what I know to be reality and what I see on TV today. And I just can't do it. And I was at the same place. So, so what I learned about God's common grace is that I would be working with these guys on some very difficult projects, world-class projects, international oil stage, working for the oil minister. And, and some of these guys were better at doing my job than I was at doing my job. And when we did a good job, it was just fun, tremendous job satisfaction. And I realized that how did, how did they get their gifts and their skills? Just because I was a Christian didn't mean I had a lock on that. We were both made in God's image. God called us all to work. Uh, he gave us our gifts and skills and vocational interests. He put us together. And when we worked in an excellent fashion, we were bringing glory to Him. That's God's common grace. And certainly I had had a taste of God's saving grace and God's transforming grace, but I had to work around these folks to understand His common grace. And Austin is an international town. Some of you work for global companies. You've been on international business trips, or, or you even work with atheists and, and agnostics. And you know what I'm talking about. There's God's common grace. Because of God's common grace, you can enjoy your work. Yeah. Uh, so it's through relationship, it's common grace, but, it, but it's also the work itself. Yeah. Um, sometimes work, the work itself is like a sledgehammer. Sometimes it's a tap hammer. I think uh, if, if work is a stay-at-home mom, in our experience, it was when we had three kids under six, and, and it was just this constant, you're selfish. You know, the, 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 and that's what happened in the early part of my career when I was about 35 or so. I just, everywhere I looked, I just felt like it was, I was always thinking about me and when do I get a break. Yeah. Um, and work, work did that to me. Yeah. I, I think by the nature of work, he changed us. And in this sawtooth, there have been three teeth in this saw that God's routinely used in my life. And I became aware of this one day. We had been in an eight-hour succession planning meeting uh, talking about people's future and who had potential to do this or that. And I asked this senior vice president, I, I said, how do you know that a person has the potential to be a vice president? He said, well, let me tell you. You put them on the assignment that has impossible goals, working with people with competing objectives, and give them in, uh, an unrealistic deadline, and you see what they do. Because you want to know what they do before you make them a vice president, because once you make them a vice president, it's too late. And I th first, I related to that. That's the way Aramco developed me. And then I thought, that's what God does. He puts us in a job. He gives us impossible goals around people with competing objectives, the, the eagles and the turkeys we work around. And then he gives us an unrealistic deadline, and then he, he, he he's just watches to see, will we turn towards him on the job, or will we turn and walk away? 
and try to do that job on our own ability. And I think by the very nature of work like that, man, sure. God changes us. Absolutely, even in the, in the Garden of Eden. So I've got a DeLorean waiting outside with a flux capacitor. You can travel back in time and you can tell Dan, 25-year-old Dan and 35-year-old Dan, what would you mm. tell them? Mm. How do you live differently? Mm. Well, back to the future, if, if I were going back here and talking to Dan here, the first thing I would tell him is Jesus changes everything on the job or he changes nothing on the job. That sounds kind of black and white, and I find that to be true. And, and so how do you... And, and I would make sure at an earlier age, I knew for sure that I was a Christian. You know, over here, I was born in, in, in Adam's image physically, his DNA, and over here, I've got Christ's DNA, and how did that DNA happen? This, is, this line's a big deal in the Bible. That's about being born again, being born from above, and I'd just make sure that I had that dialed in sooner. And, and I would tell Dan here of a, of a verse in 1 Peter. Uh, it says, for Christ also died for sins, or suffered for sins, once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, day by day, made alive in the Spirit, day by day. And uh, I would also tell Him, uh, if, if you do this on the job, there's one thing you've got to do, absolutely. You've got to come out of the closet at work. You've got to acknowledge God in your life at work. Okay? Uh, it, it just doesn't work any other way. You acknowledge Christ in you. And, and how can you know you're making progress? You can know you're making progress. For me, anyway, some of you will laugh. I knew I was making progress when I could go to work and use the name Jesus Christ without acting goofy or cussing. That was a big deal for me. It may seem like a baby step for you. For me, it was a big deal. So that's the first thing I would tell him. Okay? Jesus changes everything. Right. And so, to break out of here where it's an add-on. Yeah. Well, first thing I, I would say there is don't try to just add your faith onto existing busy schedule. Don't try to do it on your own. Instead, this is the goal, seamless, work in faith, and embrace the sawtooth of adversity. There's no way around it. For your faith to grow at work, it's going to have to be tested at work. Okay? So... And there's a way you can tell if you're making progress here. Um, uh, well, um, way you can tell you're, you're making progress if you, you find you've got a colleague at work who all of a sudden you blink your eyes, your eyes and you realize they're a spiritual colleague at work. You're praying at work about work, okay? So then that, your last point was, yeah. was this bottom line right here is yep. these relationships. What was... Yeah. That was a, a big eye-opener for you, right? Yeah. It, it, it does not come alive without the relationships. Relationships trump task. And if you're a workaholic, you may not believe that. But relationships trump task. And over time, these kind of people are the ones that God uses to bring it alive for you. And what's the big idea? I think the big idea for me is that um, I, I, would, I would pray for you. I have prayed for our church. I, I pray for this with the elders for our church. Psalm 90, Moses is talking about his job. He says, teach me to number my days so I can get a heart of wisdom. And I pray that you look at your work and your faith over time, number one. Number two, did anybody know his job description any better than Moses? And he prayed to God. He said, may the favor of the Lord be upon us. 
establish the work of our hands for us. Oh, yes, establish the work of our hands. And I pray that God will be doing that for all of us. Matt, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Thanks for joining us, Dan. One, uh, one of the reasons we, we have the Career Solutions Ministry we have here is because, um, you know, like, um, let's see, Michael Jordan's career. If you were back around then, you saw Michael Jordan in his young days. He, was, he did absolutely amazing things that you didn't think could happen on a basketball court because when he was young, he said, I played hard, and he did. He retired, and then he came back out of retirement, and he started playing again. And he, he would tell you that he played as good as he ever played in his whole life. And they asked him why, and he said, because I'm, I've learned to play smart. What we never saw, what no one ever saw, was Michael Jordan Young playing hard, smart. That would have been something. A smart, hardworking, young, insightful Michael Jordan. Career Solutions is here for most of the people over in these first two quadrants to gain wisdom from people that are in this third quadrant. We want people, while they're young, to learn from people that are a little more seasoned. Because, because here's the thing. Work is not the problem with your spiritual life. Actually, work is part of the solution of your spiritual life. Hopefully, like what Dan was saying, you could get maybe earlier in this, in this timeline, you could say, if it weren't for work, I wouldn't be as humble as I am. I wouldn't work for work. I wouldn't have to learn how to love so effectively. I wouldn't have to negotiate on how to, how to implement courage in my life. It's because of work, the sawtooth, that I'm becoming more and more like Christ. God's plan for us is to use work and family to make us like Christ. Amen. Okay? So here's, let me just... Uh, just, I'll just give you an advertisement. It's nothing more than an advertisement. Career Solutions has a couple of things coming up that we want you to know about. Dan's going to be uh, in the lobby with some of his friends that do that. Uh, the first thing is, is career transitions. It's coming up February 22nd. It's a four-hour seminar. It's going to be talking about some of this, how to help you kind of work through the negotiation of transitions. Career transitions means, hey, I think I'm underemployed or I'm between jobs and I need help doing resumes and making connections and I just need some advice from some, some people. That's career transition that's coming up. And then, and then also one of the, the newer things that we're starting here at Grace is career mentoring. Just like we have marriage mentors at almost every level, but, almost, but particularly like re-engage, we couldn't start re-engage until we started advertising and soliciting you men and women that have had career experience and maybe you've gone through these three phases yourself that would like to mentor some younger people so that we could see hardworking, wise people in their careers mm -hmm. excel and please God more and more. So those are the two things that Dan's going to be dealing with and answering out in the lobby. We'd love for you to join him and get an opportunity. If you want to be a mentor, that's the point. If you want to be a mentor and you want to know more about career transitions, it's coming up February. Thanks again, Dan, for your Thank ministry you, at Grace. Fun. Let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll get along with some more songs, a, a fabulous final song that you'll enjoy. Lord Jesus, we are grateful uh, for work. Uh, sometimes it's hard to say that, and uh, maybe it's because uh, it is through labor that we learn new things about you. Lord, I, my prayer would be that today's story of Dan would be typical, and that is that you would give your, your spirit would give our souls insight into how you've worked to make our work be the, the means that you communicate to us. Give us insight to see the ups and downs, uh, the 
the promotions and even the firings as a way of that your spirit was working in our lives. Let us see all of that. And Lord, give us the courage uh, to take the next step in our careers so that we might serve you, that we would please you more and more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.